On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing Sean Connery as James Bond in Never Say Never Again from 1983. another episode of cult cinema cavalcade i am brandon and as always with me is your trusty british consulate correspondent co-hoster cullen yes i love every word of what you said so far (laughs) cult cinema cavalcade is a bi-weekly movie podcast that finds cullen and myself discussing a film from cinema's past considered but not limited to being a cult classic and as a disclaimer every episode will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language Today we're here to discuss the non-Eon 007 film, Never Say Never Again. Cullen, what happens to James Bond in Never Say Never Again? A Spectre agent has stolen two American nuclear warheads, and an aged James Bond must find their targets before they are destroyed. Never Say Never Again is directed by Irving Kirshner from a script that featured plenty of writers but both credited and uncredited and star Sean Connery, Kim Basinger, Max von Sydow, Barbara Carrera, Rowan Atkinson, Klaus Maria Brandar, and Bernie Casey. I forgot to mention last week where you could find this movie in our episode. We usually like to give you a heads up to prepare for next time if you want to follow along. Uh, Never Say Never Again can be found on Blu-ray, DVD, iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Vudu. So, that said, hello again, and thanks for tuning into our 007th episode? I don't know how (laughs) it it happened, but uh, I had this movie slotted here from, like, the start. So, when when Wizard of Speed and Time was happening, Never Say Never Again was coming right here. I didn't pay attention to the fact that it was the 7th episode until I went to prepare for this one. Yeah, it was going to be when uh, Spectre came out. It had nothing to do with, like, the order. If we would have started, like, a week later, it would have been, like, the sixth episode instead of the seventh episode. Yeah, and I made a mistake in the last episode saying that this would be dropping the week of Spectre. It's actually dropping a couple days after Spectre. We record these the week before they come out, and I was counting my weeks from when I was recording it and not realizing that we weren't 
posting the episode that week. So you will be going to yeah. see Spectre. And then afterwards on Monday when you're like, oh, still the James Bond mood, listen to this episode. Yeah, that'll, Well, you that, should that'll... be already listening to this episode. <laughs> right. You'll definitely come down from Spectre, which is probably a good James Bond movie. And this is a – it's not bad. It's it's – it's fine. It's what it is. <laughs> okay. So we're called Cinema Cavalcade. Uh, there's a myriad of ways you can find us. We have our website, cultcinemacavalcade.com, which allows you to play our episodes and leave comments. Uh, we have, we're on iTunes, where we love good reviews and wish you the best uh, in not posting a bad review. Uh, we have email, which is mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. We're on that Facebook thing. And our illustrious Twitter page, at CC Cavalcade. So, so there's really, if you if you want to get a hold of us, there's really just no excuse. Yeah. Other we, than you you're too good for us. We'd love for you to be active on all fronts, but most importantly, just listen to us and tell your friends. Questions, comments, concerns, maybe even suggestions. we listen to all of it, and we will take it under consideration. Yeah, most definitely. We like to hear from you. I mean, I we know people are listening. Throw a jab at us and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. So, we're here with a cinematic oddity. Now, Hollywood movies and stuff, usually every year there's you know two of the same movies, kind of. like Or similar subject matter. Like, we had one year where there was Dante's Peak in Volcano. Mm-hmm. Like, two big volcani- volcano blockbuster action movies. There was a year in recent history where we had two Truman Capote movies. We had Capote and Infamous back. That was, I think, it was two thousand six. But this there were two movie- animated ants, uh, ant movies, yes. right? There was Ants and there was A Bug's Life, right? But this is weird. This is, I mean, two James Bond movies, like the same character, character. played by. They were both played by actors known for James. Bond. It wasn't like Never Say Never Again got some other actor to play james bond it was sean connery the james bond the guy who started it while the other film in 1983 that came out was octopussy starring roger moore who was the also a long-tenured bond so you have both of them and to add there was a tv revival movie of that television show the man from uncle Mm -hmm. and they had that tv movie in 83 and guess what there was a cameo scene by the character of james bond played by George Lazenby. So every actor who played James Bond played James Bond in 1983 at that point. That's messed up. That is entirely messed up. Would never say never again. This is a an interesting story of just how this came about. It's a legal mess up and a stupid move from Ian Fleming, Bond's creator, basically. He worked on... There was a lot of times... Bond, before Dr. No, there were many attempts to get James Bond on the big screen. He was a big literary hero. He's like a Harry Potter back then like oh <laughs> somebody's gonna put this on the you know this guy's it's gonna be it was a popular character so mm-hmm. they had a, a episode of television that adapted casino royale but they didn't really i mean they changed things around that bond was american his name was uh i believe his name was jimmy bond uh yeah that was a tv movie that came out before dr no right right Right. Well, yeah. it was a it was an episode of a anthology TV series, like a Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. but just dramatic stuff. So they adapted it mm-hmm. there. So one of the projects that Ian Fleming worked on to get Bond on the big screen uh, was a script called Longitude Seventy Eight West, 
And he worked with a guy named Kevin McClory on that and also another writer. And that project ended up getting put on, it got shelved. It never happened. Well, Fleming decided, well, I like this story. So he went and wrote a book called Thunderball, which was that Longitude 78 West story. And little did you know, he didn't credit McClory and the other guy for Thunderball. So then when Dr. No comes out and the Bond franchise starts doing good business, up legal stuff starts happening with uh, the Eon Company, which was the Broccoli family who was producing these movies, and Kevin McClory. Basically, when they wanted to do Thunderball, they came to an agreement. The other writer took his money and ran, and then McClory, he was the big you know, guy antagonist here. They came to agreement that McClory would get sole producer credit for Thunderball, the, the film, mm-hmm. and then... He couldn't do anything with James Bond for 12 years. He still retained some rights <laughs> to Thunderball, okay. but he had to just go away for like t- 12 years. Yeah, like a non-compete clause. Yeah. And at this time, this is the fourth Bond movie, and Sean Connery, after this film, would get contentious and want to quit. Yeah, I mean, they're, not, they're probably not thinking that, oh, in 2015, we're going to release our 24th film. They're, I mean, they're not thinking that. Uh, yeah. it's, in Bond as a franchise, franchises weren't like a thing. That Bond was the franchise. <laughs> there were there were the sequels. They weren't franchises. There yeah. was Bond and, and the, like Planet yeah, of the Apes would go around and Godzilla. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that was it. So the years go by, and it was around Man with a Golden Gun. McClory takes him to court. He wants to make a Bond film. Uh, Brock Holy's getting mad. He goes to court, and basically the court settlement says, all right, look, anything in Thunderball that was created for Thunderball, that's Kevin McClory's. And so all the Eon people, you you can't use Thunderball stuff. And you know what ha- You know what was introduced in Thunderball? Spectre and Blofeld. So... <laughs> Two huge parts of James Bond movies. Right, so... While Spectre and Blofeld were being... That stuff was being used in Dr. No from Russia with Love, they they weren't in the books. It wasn't introduced to the Thunderball book. The books weren't produced in order at all. They just they took them. And so he gets the right to all those. They have to cease on everything. They have to change the script for The Spy Who Loved Me, which was going to return Blofeld mm-hmm. and Spectre. And Kurt Jurgen's character, you know... Got his name got changed. He had no organization, evil affiliates. But if you look at it, that underwater base is the next step from a volcano layer. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So McClory goes and he's like, he's gonna make his own Bond film, and it takes a while, and it's called James Bond and the Secret Service, and mm-hmm. he winds up wooing Sean Connery back, like, hey, I'll let you have a lot of say in this this film, and. You know, you can you can have your swan song James Bond movie, and we'll we'll get this get this rolling together. And Connery didn't like the Broccoli family at this time. He he left v- the Bond films very very on very very bad terms. Yeah. So I think part of his coming back here was sticking it to them. Like you know, their shining white knight is now on the other side. Like he he chose a lot of roles after James Bond to distance himself as far as he could from James Bond. Like it's all, it's like why he did Zardoz. He just wanted like I wanted it to be nothing like James Bond. 
Yeah. And that is nothing like James Bond. I mean, there's still there's there's still some rape in it, and that's kind of you know <laughs> uh, what happens in some James Bond movies. But you know, uh, other than that, yeah, well, he, it's nothing like James Bond. He also with Diamonds Are Forever, part of his agreement to come back, like he took like no money, he donated money, and then he got like three projects that he wanted to get done greenlit because mm-hmm. he came back. So he goes and they do Never Say Never Again, which is a really tight production because. They have to watch every move they make because they only have the rights to Thunderball the book. So mm-hmm. they have to keep it with Thunderball the book. So this is basically Never Say Never Again is a remake of Thunderball. That's all that's so, what it is. And they have to they can't go off. They can't remake the film Thunderball. So if something happened in the film Thunderball and it happened here, boom, lawsuit. Okay. So they so, have to stick to the book. So I know in this one, like M is in it and I think think there's a guy that's supposed to be q in it were no, they introduced in the q. book yeah he's q okay. no they weren't introduced in this book the the blowfield okay. specter stuff is mainly important and largo mm-hmm. and domino were the people introduced like felix slider oh. came, came, felix slider came in casino royale so he, he hmm. was like safe but they had to keep the story safe they could make alterations here and there and they modernized it too but they had to, this production had to be so, like, the script, it had to go through, the script would have to be okayed with, like, the director, producer, Connery, and then legal, the legal department. So, yeah. every time they were shooting, and they were, I think they went and shot this movie without a completed script too much. I be- I'll believe that, sure. Yeah. That makes sense from what I saw. Yeah. And they talk about, um, interviews, they've talked about how everybody was pretty much out of gas on this script and it's why the ending kind of suffers because they were just yeah done. yeah it does but that's yeah but, that is how the movie feels like how, how it ends it's like well we're done making the movie it's it's good enough yeah and they wanted their goal was to open the same weekend as octopussy but they couldn't make it so they and it ended up coming out like four months later mm-hmm. so <laughs> and yeah and bringing the excitement of sean connery coming back as james bond well, how old would you say he was in 83? He was 52. Okay. And he That's... plays an aging Bond. You know, they, they in this movie, they, they make it a point to say, yeah, he's a, he's a older guy. While, meanwhile, in Octopussy, the 55-year-old Roger Moore is active, <laughs> active secret agent. But I, in his defense, yes. Roger Moore aged very well. I think, it, I think it was Octopussy where he was finally starting to show some age. Yeah, he he looks every bit of fifty five in in Octopussy, and in, in uh, Never Say Never Again, it's arguable how old he is. I could, uh, I don't know. He was def- you could definitely tell he was in his fifties, but it wasn't like God, pack it in, Connery. It wasn't that awful. Yeah, I mean he he got to Don, you know, he got to grab the Walter PPK and his toupee again for <laughs> no Aston Martin this time, but. No. But yeah, so he he came back and did one off, and then that was it. They were all hey, high fives. We we made a film out of canon, out of studio James Bond movie. And then towards the end of the '90s, McClory showed up again, wanting to remake Thunderball again because that's all the other rights do. <laughs> and he tried to get this uh, movie. He called it Warhead Warhead 2000 AD. And hmm. he was trying to get Timothy Dalton to return to go against a Pierce Brosnan <laughs> film. But mm-hmm. I think Dalton turned him down and he had signed Liam Neeson to play James Bond. 
Oh, wow. All right. And the film got taken into legal. And through this stuff, rights started coming back to the Eon people for things. And eventually in the OOs, they got Casino Royale's rights back. They got the rights to the film, Never Say Never. Again, I think in some weird way for like home video distribution or something. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. they retained the rights back to Thunderball and Spectre. Which is why we now have a film called Spectre. That is hopefully better than what we watched. Oh, I would hope. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of that's a story. That's a background. Never say never again. Oof, it's a lot of stuff. It is a lot of stuff. So let's get into the movie. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. All right. Uh, we open with no gun barrel sequence. Bunch of 007 logos zoom, and we go through them into this foresty jungle yeah. i was kind of glad that there wasn't like like half naked dancing silhouettes i've never enjoyed those parts they always make me feel weird like well, i i don't understand but, that like why do well, they make you feel weird i i they just do i guess just like i used to watch them with my dad and it's like oh something vaguely sexual is happening on the screen and my dad's in the room and that feeling has always set with me whenever i see that and and also like i mean they look neat but at the same time i just think like can we just get to the story please like it just takes it's like four minutes like every time it's like okay I guess I'm a, right, a finally. Fam- fanboy traditionalist. I love those. Like, I got to have that. That's why I like. Yeah, I'm glad that it wasn't in there. But at the same time, it immediately feels like it isn't a James Bond movie. It's a right. movie with James Bond in it is how it feels Im- immediately. Yeah, because I like the gun barrel sequence to open. That's like a cool thing. I know the new well, no. movies haven't done that. They've been they popped them at the end. Yeah, and, I like the I like the gun barrel. I like that part. But it's just all the gross dancing afterwards just ugh. so he goes on this mission and we have this terrible ass theme song playing like this is terrible yes i i had a difficult time actually watching this i had to restart the movie multiple times and uh i had that awful song in my head yeah because this is a, a it's a stealth mission it's it's a cool setup bond is going around trying to uh, apparently get into this house where there's bad guys and rescue this girl, <laughs> exactly. girl who's held hostage. And he's doing it like little stealth things where he's sneaking around and quietly trying to get everybody. Yeah. And it turns he into choked, a little action sequence. Yeah, he chokes out uh, Torgo coming down on a ladder. <laughs> right. Well, apparently, I watched a little featurette about the movie, and they were all pretty pissed when they got the post-production of the movie because uh, the direct Kirshner and a lot of people... Did not know they were throwing that song on top of it, and it just ruined everything that they had set up. Yeah, there's no suspense at all. It's just this... this. It, it sounds like a knockoff James Bond song, honestly. It does. And it's, it undercuts... It, it, it completely takes away from the action of the scene. Yeah, it's bad. Like, the, the movie that runs parallel to this one, Octopussy, has maybe my least favorite Bond song of all time. But mm-hmm. that's even better than this. And that one sounds like some crummy television show intro from the 80s. Like, it's <laughs> it's all-time high. Yeah, that one is is not good. But if you want, if you're a traditionalist, there are people, I think, that have made edits to this film that added a gun barrel sequence. 
And they also have made the Cullen's favorite part, the Dancing Girls, with a different song. Not using Never Say Never Again, a different song, and added traditional Bond score to the movie. And I have to tell you, I've watched some clips. The movie works better with that stuff. Does does the gun barrel sequence uh, have James Bond dressed in a members-only jacket and slacks? Because that's what he's dressed like in the beginning of this movie. <laughs> yeah. When he's, just, he's killing all these people. Bond goes through. He's he's killing people, breaking necks, hitting people, and saves the woman, but then she stabs him. And then, oh, this was just a part of a training mission. Yeah, we, we find out that 007, he's been a, a teacher for a while. Yeah, he hasn't been in the field. And the new M is trying who's to... A, who's a dick, by the way. Yeah, he's a dick. He's a young a-hole. Is uh, he's not happy with you know Bond's performance in these this uh, this yeah. missions like he's having him he's having him back up to speed for some reason the um, whole the whole movie he's really up James Bond's ass and I wonder you know what you didn't have to bring him back in the field I don't understand if you <laughs> yes. hate him so much why are you putting him in active duty right now if the if you if they would have said something like someone above him is forcing him to re-establish the double o program yeah. yeah he's not elected into this position he can be let go at any time he he's m he's in charge of this organization it doesn't go higher than him right connery does have some funny uh you know witty comebacks to things he said like what he's he's like you've died twice double o seven with due respect, sir, I played your war games for two weeks and I only got killed once. Twice? You've forgotten the landmine on the Black Sea Beach. Correction, sir, I lost both legs. I did not die. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I like like they're going through like how unhealthy he is. Yes. And like, the, first, the first like half hour of the movie, maybe 20 minutes, is him getting healthier. And like when he's, when he's talking about... Um, like, too much red meat, dry martinis, and white bread, and then... Too many free radicals. That's your problem. Free radicals, sir? Yeah, they're toxins that destroy the body and the brain. Caused by eating too much red meat and white bread, and too many dry martinis. Then I shall cut out the white bread, sir. I, I actually really like... I laughed out loud when Connery's, I heard that. Connery's happy to be back. I mean, I mean, it's well known that, you know, he wasn't happy on You Only Live Twice, which he gives... A lot of people complain about his performance. I think he's okay in it. I think his best performance is his first two films. And then in, in Diamonds Are Forever, he came back and just did not give a shit. Here he's giving a shit again. which It's is, so it's much better. Nice yeah. If there's one thing we can take good from this movie is that Connery's good in it. So, yeah, he gets... M sends him, wants him to go to this health clinic to, you know, get healthy. After that, we, we meet uh, Fatima Blush. And uh, she, we get to see her go to this building and go through many secret passages to arrive at a Spectre meeting, mm-hmm. where we meet Ernst Stavro Bofeld, who's played by Max von Sydow, which is exciting. Except apparently they cut a lot of this guy, a lot of his scenes. From yeah, the like M- Max uh, Max von Sydow is in this three times maybe the entire movie, I think. Yeah, one's via video screen, like. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just so weird that you have such a big-named actor. And he was and big it, at this time. Like, I mean, yeah. giving him was, a, I, I would say, a get. I mean, this is, he, you know, he had his yeah, this is not career. That far, he was big in the 70s. Yeah, this is not that far removed from The Exorcist, you know? No, this is about eight, 
seven or eight years maybe from the exorcist it's i mean he's a, he's a good guy and it's a i like it's a really good pick for blofeld mm-hmm. absolutely it is and it's like i want a lot of this guy but i don't get him i mean granted blofeld in thunderball there's it's a guy behind glass petting a cat and a couple lines at the beginning but so i mm-hmm. guess we get more than that with him but he's a, he's a good blofeld i mean they take away a lot of the, the cartooniness of Blofeld and keep him straight. He still has a, a cat that he's petting. Like they, yeah. The, 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 the only, because I don't even think they ever call him Blofeld or anything. The only, I think the only really reason you know it's him is because he's petting a white cat. Right, you might be right. And he's that. like the head of like Spectre as well. But <laughs> he uh, introduces a, a Maximilian Largo, changed from Emilio Largo, and mm. he doesn't wear an eye patch because that was something added for the film Thunderball. This Largo, he's just he's a little, little prick. <laughs> That's yeah. what I get from I, him. Yeah. But they unveil a plan where they're going to steal uh, some warhead nukes, and they've kidnapped an American pilot and restructured his eye to match the president yeah. of the United States, and he's going to be able to steal the missiles. And that guy, that pilot, he happens to be recovering from his surgery at the same health clinic as James Bond. Yes. And they got him to work for Spectre by hooking him on heroin. <laughs> yes. It's like, holy crap! This stuff is nice. They're, yeah, they're, they're not screwing around with Spectre. Uh, Fatima Blush, of course, will be his nurse, and Bond gets bumped by her in the, the health clinic lobby, and he and Bond meets a nurse. Mm-hmm. And, he and of course, you know what her, happens. Yeah. yeah, he and, and they end up doing it because uh, <laughs> I think I I think really this. Uh, more, well, you know, James Bond, he, he's known to plow. That's, that's what he does. But it's, in this one, it's like, he doesn't even have to try. Yeah. He's just emitting like a pheromone. It, it, like, like he, he doesn't even have to say hello. Like women just look at him and immediately want to ride him. You could see it in the look in their eyes. Like this is getting, this is a little preposterous. Like, like almost every woman that like, I think like money penny. Is the only woman he talks to that he doesn't have sex with in this movie. I well, think that might be it. He is Sean Connery, and Norm Macdonald knows something about that. <laughs> no. Maybe we, could, <laughs> maybe we could get him on the show to tell us about it. Maybe. Pilot Jack, Jack Patachi. He has, yeah, Fatima is watching over him. Like, he's smoking, and she gets all like pissed because it's going to get in your eye. So, uh, his sister Domino, uh, she's being quote-unquote held hostage by Largo mm-hmm. and company. Well, you so, wouldn't know it. So, she seems pretty happy. So meanwhile, Bond hooks up with the nurse, and there's some rumbling, rummaging going around because Fatima is slapping the shit out of Jack across the way, and Bond notes it from the window. So he, he gets out, and he goes to spy on them, and he gets caught. And Yes, the... World's greatest secret agent caught immediately. Caught immediately. So the next day, Bond is working out, and they've sent a, this beefcake goon guy to go take him out while he's in the it's weight the, room. It's, it's the 1983 parallel to the mountain from <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones. That's what the guy looks like to pretty me. Pretty much. Pretty much. So they get in this big fight that goes across many rooms in the in the health clinic. This ends up. Bond takes some water or some liquid and splashes it in his eyes, which drives him batty. And then he falls against a bunch of chemical stuff and falls down dead. 
Yeah, a bunch of glass gets jacked in his back. Yeah. Bond looks at the at the cup and it's his it's his urine sample. Which makes me wonder, what is inside James Bond's body to make a person react so heinously to his urine? Because right. the guy the guy freaks out. Like, it looks like, like, like a. Ah! Like, short of his face melting, it looks like acid is, is thrown in this guy's face. Right. And I, I, guess, I guess that's the joke. But I know, but I mean, I guess he's been around. I mean... <laughs> it burns! The, my piss burns! <laughs> I guess the pheromone he uh, emits to attract women also is... <laughs> <laughs> full of very sinister chemicals to ma- to males, I yes. guess. So, of course, our dickhead M is not happy, but what was Bond supposed to do? Guess he was, he was being murdered. Like, What's he supposed to do? Sure. The guy had a blackjack that broke a knife in half, right. like a kitchen knife. Pilot Jack, he gets in through the government facilities, and there's a, a dummy test run going on for some warheads. But he, using his eye, gets in as the president and is able to substitute the real warheads for the dummy ones in this practice exercise. The missiles shoot off, and he drives off all happy as hell. And then Fatima, she comes driving up next to him and uh, throws a snake in his car. Yes! <laughs> like, like He almost immediately runs the car off the road. Off the, into a building. That, he was like on empty country road, and then all of a sudden, when he has to crash, there's got to be a building there. There's there, there's like a, like a like an abandoned bridge that he like ramps off of into an abandoned building and his car immediately blows up. Well, no, she puts a bomb in. There. Oh no, you're 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 right. I apologize. She, she, yeah, she grabs a snake and then she puts a bomb and blows up. How, how short-sighted is Spectre, by the way? They've invested how much money in this guy to duplicate the president's eye, and as soon as they accomplishes the one mission they send him, they kill him. Isn't that short-sighted? Couldn't they use that for something yes. else? Well, you know what's funny, too, is I thought when she threw the snake in there, I was like, oh, the reason they did that is so his death, you know, it looks like he just went off the road and crashed and it's untraceable. But no, they put an explosive, which probably left some debris <laughs> in the yes, car. To exactly. It out. So like, what was it? Why didn't she just, like, snipe him or shoot him? <laughs> Exactly. They're going to suspect things when they see, like, you know, like the plastique. It's not in cars. They're going to know it's, it was intentional. So the the warheads, they land safely in the water. Largo's men scuba down. They go get them. And then Blofeld contacts, like, NATO or the government or whatever. And he tells them, I am Supreme Commander of Spectre, the special executive for counterintelligence terrorism, revenge, and extortion. Yesterday morning, the American Air Force launched two cruise missiles from Swartley Air Base in Great Britain. Through the ingenuity of Spectre, the dummy warheads they carried were replaced with live nuclear warheads. Your weapons of destruction are now safely in our possession and will be moved to two secret targets. Like he, he wants like 20% of uh, the country's profits and something to do with like oil, right? Right, yeah. Or else he'll use them in two undisclosed targets. Like, basically... Yeah, he wants like the, he wants money from like the oil companies or something, yeah. Right. As well. Bond is like studying up on Largo and Domino and 
Bunny Penny comes to tell him that, you know, M needs him, and M puts him on the mission, which I thought he was already on the mission when he's studying that stuff, but he wasn't. No, just in his free time. He's doing some light reading on Microfish. Whatever, it's fine. Right. And then when he's getting briefed on the mission, and he suggests that, hey, maybe this this pilot had a fake eye, and M's like, ah, it's not Bond, what are you thinking of? (laughs) Yes, Bond basically says everything that had happened up to the movie at that point, and M's just like, ah, shut up. What do you know? So then we get introduced to Largo, not on a TV screen. He he arrives on his, his boat. He's got this massive, like, cruise ship. He goes in his, you know, he says, hey, everybody. He goes in his control room, and we hear something, and, oh, his his computer panel uh, moves over to reveal a dance studio where Domino's at, and he can, yes. he can sit and watch her while, like, like some of the best porn music I ever heard. <laughs> and they're just dancing playing. to it. Like it's so like dirty sounding. It really is. It's it's it's, it's really gross. It is like some of the grossest music I've ever heard. Like it's it made me feel like you talk about the uncomfortableness of the girls dancing. Like that music just makes me uncomfortable. Like he expects someone to be pouring baby oil on themselves when you hear this music, but instead it's just Kim Basinger dancing around with some guy. Was- but but it is creepy because it does look like a peep show, right? You know, basically it's what it right. is in, from Largo's perspective. There, a piano starts playing, and she's like, "Oh, it, Max!" And you see, oh, so she's been hooking up with Largo. As usual, I have left you alone too long. I know. But I brought you a gift. I don't want any more gifts. I just want you. That's all I want. I know, but this is different. Look. Max. Look. And and she's kind of uh, oblivious to what's going on with her brother and there's a, a, a thing called the tears of Allah that Largo gives her to wear around her neck was, which is yeah it's like a it's a necklace it's like a not a jewel it's just it's I don't know what very the important call it. yes it's very important very important so then Bond goes to gear up with Q who has apparently just left his doctor who audition <laughs> he's got that huge scarf and yeah, yeah, like he's, what this he's is very eccentric. This is Q as done by somebody who was told about a James Bond movie and didn't see a James Bond movie. Yeah, he's not like, you know, stuffy like Q was in any of the other movies. It's just like, well, we just need a guy that tells him about what the tech is, and, and it he, could just be anyone that's British. And he's got a ridiculous British accent. Mhm. Like, it is so like it's almost comical. And he gets yeah. a... Yeah, there'll be some, some gratuitous violence. Yeah, he's like, oh, we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. Like, it was just... Oh, yeah. And, yeah, Q's been, like, stuck in a basement for years that he misses 007. But this is where we get introduced to the the pen missile. And, yes. And uh, a foreshadowing of a motorcycle. So, Bond, he arrives in the Bahamas, and he meets... Nigel Small Fawcett from the British Embassy, played by Rowan Atkinson in his feature film debut. 
Yes. I, that's, that's something that I can... I, I've seen this one more than maybe any other James Bond movie, just because it was on TV so much. And I, I knew it better than I thought I did. And then like when Rowan Atkinson popped up, I like immediately said, like, that's right! I forgot he was in this! This yeah. is fantastic! I always forget he's in this movie till I watch it, and I'm like, oh yeah! Yeah, and I get instantly excited and like, oh, he's not in it as much as... That's right, he's barely in this movie. Yeah, and he's, it's it's pretty funny. Like, he... He runs off like, Bond! John Bond! And he's all talking about trying to be low-key. He's like, and Bond's like, what? By shouting my name across the way? <laughs> yes. They they kind of meet up, and, you know, he gives him the lowdown on what Largo's like and what he means to the community there. And they they separate, and Bond uh, catches a, his eye, gets caught on Fatima Blush skiing. Yes, he's just like at a, like a bar, like, next to, like, the water, and she ends up skiing right onto the uh, the deck and then she says you know how reckless i got you all wet and he says yes but my martini is still dry because he's just so clever yes and they they sit and they flirt and she offers him to go and go scuba diving so they go on a boat and then they bang and then they go underwater (laughs) that's right they have some time to kill so naturally what they would do is hump you, uh, you appear tense. You affect me, James. Well, that's bad. Going down, one should always be relaxed. Is it far to the reef? It's far enough. We've got time to kill. Yes, like, I mean, this is kind of a, a thing where they both know well who each other is, and they know that each other knows who they are, and they're, it's just like a timing thing. Like, Bond's playing with, he's he's playing a game of death, like, when's she going to make that move? And she's like, when's he going to, you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. like that. So then they go, and they're just swimming around some shit, and then the sharks come, and she's put a thing on Bond that signals the sharks... I always saw there was like one shark that had some kind of device on its fin. Yeah. All the others didn't seem to have that device, though. But these are real sharks, by the way, (laughs) that they're swimming around. They're not in a shark tank, you know, or the the shark cage. There are people swimming around with actual real damn sharks. Right. I mean, there may be plexiglass that we can't see separating, but man, that's, that's real sharks, yeah. Yeah, like, and there, there's like one part where, um, like a shark is like coming through a doorway, and like James Bond like closes the door on the shark's uh, head, and I couldn't tell if it was real or not. It looked real, like they were actually like, I mean, not that someone was like like legitimately fighting a shark, but it looks like they were forcing a shark to try to go through a door, and they're trying to force it shut on a shark's head. That's what it really looked like to me. Pretty good underwater stuff here, but Bond. He ends up. He gets the the little signal thing off, and he goes to the surface. He finds a fishing line, and it winds up being this woman he met right when he got to the Bahamas. That he told her he'd catch her later. Yes, makes the yeah, joke. Yeah, exactly. And th- this a woman that he made various sexual puns about moments before he met Rowan Atkinson. So naturally, what happens with uh, her and James? Oh yeah. Huh. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, th- the thing is, they go back to the hotel, 
And Fatima has been in the hotel, and she places a bomb in Bond's yes. room under his bed. And Somehow she has access to his room, when even James, apparently, doesn't yes. have a key to his own room. Well, his his key was probably on her boat, because he had to get in the scuba stuff. And you know he got uh. in the scuba stuff naked. You know he did. Oh, well, we saw it. Yes. We saw it happen. Yes. That's how she probably got the key, too. We're putting this together. <laughs> So he's him and We're doing a better job than the movie did. <laughs> him and this woman are making some sweet love. Uh Rowan Atkinson calls with some info and Fatima decides to click the detonator and boom it the uh, explodes, but guess what? It's Bond's not in his room. He's he they went to her room. Yes. Where he, where he delivers that excellent line about uh Oh, I guess we made the right decision. What? My room of yours. Or I guess that answers the question. My room or yours? Yeah, and they immediately go back to boning. So, yeah, and I mean, in a couple hours, he's had himself some Fatima blush and uh, the random. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to point that out, that he has, he has humped this woman, gone scuba diving, uh, outrun multiple sharks, gone fishing, and had sex again. That is an <laughs> eventful damn day. Gosh, this is true. So then he goes to France, where he meets up with Felix Leiter, played by Bernie Casey, and uh, then a French agent, and they they bring the motorcycle that Q promised, and so they they get a house or something for their little headquarters. Yeah, they they rent a um not a bungalow, but a uh, they they rent a villa. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, and they're spying on Domino, and so. They follow her, and Bond, she's going to a spa, but Bond gets there first, and he sneaks in and acts like a masseuse. And it goes to, to talk to Domino, and it basically this is where she drops that, you know, there's a, Largo's having a charity ball. For children. For children. That, that's the charity. Children. So he's, you know, your massage, and it's, it's a pretty sensual massage. That feels so good. Certainly does. Excuse me? It certainly does need it. Uh, you have uh, slight lesions in the upper vertebrae. Oh. Mm. Oh. Could you go a little lower, please? Lower? Yes, please. Yes. Oh, right there. And then the funny part is the the actual masseuse comes in. It's this woman, and he's like, "Oh, ciao," <laughs> takes off. Yeah. And then Domino was talking about James to uh, that woman to his masseuse, and she says, "Like that man doesn't work here. I've never seen him before." And instead of being horrified that a complete stranger rubbed her down with oil, she kind of smiles like. What? It's Are Sean Connery. It's Sean Connery, man. And it, we got mentioned, Domino is Kim Basinger. I think this is her feature mm-hmm. film debut. It was certainly young Basinger. It might, it might be. I, I, I'm sure you're right. Yeah, she was uh, originally played by uh, Claudine Auger in Thunderball. And while I would, so. I, I would go on to uh, fall in love with Kim Basinger in Batman, like six years later, <laughs> I have to say, I mean, Claudine Auger, whew, in Thunderball, man, she's. It's not too shabby yourself. I know people might be like, oh, it's Kim Basinger. I'm like, go back and look at Claudine Auger. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not a great for, for performance from the uh, future Oscar winner, but 
<laughs> it is her feature film debut, and I don't think she was brought on for acting talent. No, she was not. She, she was brought on so Sean Connery could rub her butt down with oil. <laughs> yeah, so, so Bond takes it to go to the ball, the charity ball, and uh, when he gets there... He immediately attacks the the guard or the host guy. <laughs> yes, the guy taking the tickets. Yeah, taking the tickets. Puts him in a closet and says he gives him this box and he says, "Hey, this is gonna blow up pretty much if you move the wrong way." And he hits a button and he walks off and he goes into the party, which I gotta say, it's a pretty awesome party. There are arcade <laughs> machines everywhere. Well, uh, well, I love like the like the front part of it. It's like any other James Bond movie. There's the <laughs> casino, and and then like there's, there's a side door that opens up, and it's wall to wall arcade machines like Galaga, Centipede, just everything from '83 is in that room. Yeah, and tons of it. It's like oh my gosh, it's pretty awesome. So he finds his way, of course, to Domino at the party, and Fatima and Largo they take note of it. And Fatima says, you know, like, oh, you're you're losing him to, to 007 there. And then Largo says, uh, you know, one day I may have to have you kill her. <laughs> Heads up. Heads up. And then so Domino and Bond brings up her brother. And she he basically gets the idea that she has no clue about her brother from this. And Largo, mm-hmm. Largo shows up to wag his penis at Bond, being like, hey. <laughs> and he asks him. That's, in, that's where I stick it. Yep. You, don't, you don't stick it there. I do. He offers him a match in a video game. Domination. Domination. So this game is like, yeah, pick, a, there's a bunch of money on the line, and it, there's a country, the country's worth so much money, and I guess you just try to shoot as many squares as you can? Yeah, I think like, like a square or a section lights up, and then you have to shoot that section. Right. And there's like, there's like two handles that you control how you shoot. And it's like 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 a like a 3D kind of a thing, and uh, you can shoot like missiles, right? Yeah, exactly. Are you ready? Yes. Begin. Thank you, gentlemen. The eternal battle for the domination of the world begins. We play for dollars. Random target selection: Spain. Value nine thousand dollars. Spain. $9,000. Give me a shock. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. And, and and Largo, he explains it like that shitty, like, rich kid that you'd be friends with who has all this stuff and he has all these great games. But he doesn't tell you how to play the game until you screw up. He's like, what are you doing? Don't you know you're supposed to play like this? Because, like, they, they play, like, three times before, the, before James Bond actually knows all the rules to the game. Right, and you also like you get like shocked. Like there's a lot. Yes, like, like the the more you're behind in the game, I guess the the more like the controls will shock your hands. Yeah. Yeah. So Bond loses twice, but like the third game, he rocks it and Largo. It's for goes, the world. For the world, and Largo Largo ends up just giving up in the end. It's like like the pain threshold is like at ninety percent. Yeah. And then he he just throws his hands up and then he blows on them like like they're smoking guns. Yeah. So then he he starts to write him a check for the money, and Bonds is like, "I'll settle for one dance with Domino." So, 
Do you lose as gracefully as you win? I wouldn't know. I've never lost. Well, it's like almost like James Bond almost doesn't finish the sentence before Max is done. Great. <laughs> this is so funny. This guy that the whole reason he starts, uh, you know, this pissing contest with Bond is to get him away from Domino. And then as soon as he loses, oh, you can have her. She's all yours. So while they're dancing, Bond reveals to Domino that, yeah, your brother's dead and Largo probably killed her. Or had him yeah. killed. And does that, he actually reveal that he's a secret agent, or does he just give her this information? I think it so. seems I think he says something regarding. Okay, okay. I was gonna say agent. it would be weird if she just like if he just dropped that information. Like your brother's dead. What? Who are you? So You're the guy that rubbed me down. Right. So the, I'm a masseuse and secret agent. Two, two <laughs> jobs. Uh, yeah. Doesn't Largo mention he Bond doesn't get paid much at some point in this movie? So I mean he's. Yes, he does. Well, he was a teacher before, to right. be fair. They don't get paid very much. After the dance, Largo makes lunch plans with Bond, and Bond goes back to the, the guy in the closet and takes the the box from him, and it's a cigar box. It's not a bomb. Or anything <laughs> like you like, wasted your whole night, and you pissed your pants like, because you thought you were going to die. Da-da, da-da. Our hero, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so then Bond comes home, and I thought he comes home at night, right? Uh, no, he he comes home day? in the in in the morning. I guess he was at the 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 casino the casino charity for children uh, all night because so, he does come home in the day. Okay, it's, it's like early morning, right? It has to okay. be, yeah. And the French agent is drowned in I guess it was a waterbed. Every other woman he gives it to, but this is the one he doesn't throw one in, yeah. as far as we know. And we see some high heels like clicking, getting out of there, to some uh, terrible music. Again, <laughs> yes, and but Bond gets to bust out his motorcycle, and this is a pretty cool chase. I think this is what this is like the maybe the best action sequence in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is this is definitely one of the things. Uh, the things I remember most about this movie are the the domination scene, this car chase, and the st- like the underwater like cave stuff. Those are the things I remember most about this movie. Bond gets trapped in a semi, but he just turns around and flies out. And he, yeah, he, yeah, he uses like the, the back doors, like the, a ramp to ramp out of it and jump over all the bad guys to get out of there. Yeah. So then he ends up getting cornered. He ends up crashing, chasing Fatima and gets cornered by her when she's got him at gunpoint. And before killing him, she wants to know that she was the best he'd ever had. You know that making love to Fatima was the greatest pleasure of your life? Well, to be perfectly honest... There was this girl in Philadelphia. Shut up! I am the best. Yes. Yes, you're right. In fact, I was going to put you in my memoirs as number one. Right. Right. Now write this. The greatest rapture in my life was afforded me the boat in Nassau by Fatima Blush. Sign, James Bond, 007. I just remembered it's against service policy for agents to give out endorsements. Yeah, he he kind of like plays with her head a little yeah. bit. And so she says, he says that he was going to write down in his memoirs that she was like top three or something like that. And he said, he's like, well, there was this girl in Philadelphia. And he goes, silence or something like that. Yeah. yeah and so she's trying to make him write it down on a piece of paper, which, oh, he's got his pen and he shoots her. And she laughs, and then she explodes. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the police show up. <laughs> yes. And yeah, Felix Leiter comes out, and they like him and Felix sneak out of there. But then they both they, decide to go underwater and investigate Largo's boat. Yes, that's exactly. That's it. It's like, well, let's go. Yeah, I think they were like, planning to anyway, but okay. it's just such a quick turnaround. Like, you know what? I just saw a woman blow up in front of me, and I had to escape in my underwear. Can I take a moment <laughs> before we get back to it? When they're doing this, Bond ends up getting caught, and Largo's playing it off like, oh, you're here for lunch early. Oh, okay. <laughs> you scuba dived into my boat. And then Largo lets kind of Bond kind of freely roam in there, and he finds the control room and the, the domino... Uh, mirror two-way mirror dance room so then he goes in the dance he goes into the dance room with domino in there and blares the porn music like it's the same song as before right Uh, yeah there's only one song in that room yes he asks about the music's loud so largo can't hear what's going on in there and he asks about the Tears of Allah, because that's key to everything. And she shows it mm-hmm. to him. He says... That's, he, a, that's the name of, like, the, the operation that uh, Spectre is, 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 is doing, I believe. Right. And Bond says, you know, he needs to transmit a message. So he decides, you know, he's like, I'm going to kiss you. And he's just trying to piss off Largo. And he says, you know, because I've always wanted to. <laughs> he so he kisses her which makes Largo mad he comes to the dance room and neither of them are there and Bond has gotten in to transmit the message and yeah, Largo's Largo, Largo's room like his, yeah. his peep show room yeah right and he go Largo goes nuts like smashing the mirror and he's got like an axe tearing up the dance room again this from a man that immediately gave up his girlfriend to James Bond for a dance Right. Immediately, he then ends up capturing Bond and Domino, and basically has him like, "Hey, jigs up," and then he has you know Bond taken away, and then tells tells off Domino, mm-hmm. like you know creepily, he like has her hold this statue that she drops, and yeah, they go to uh, to North Africa. They keep oh, yeah. they keep they keep them both alive until they get to this castle or mansion or something in in uh, the the tip of North Africa. And uh, like, all right, well, we're here. All right, get rid of James Bond. Like, what? They just like tie him up. They're like, <laughs> exactly. And then they tie they've him had up. the entire they've had the entire trip from France to Africa, and this is where they decide to kill James Bond. Right? Yeah. And they and Largo tells him where the first bomb is, and it's in Washington D.C. And then he's like, okay, the second one? He's like, nope, I'm not going to tell because we need this movie to go on for another 30 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, they like they hear, like, later in the movie, like, okay, we got the president's, uh, the president's fine. We got we found the bomb. Everything's yeah. cool. Well, it's like, oh, well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> well, then he's having Domino sold to some, like, Arab guys. Yeah. Like, take yeah. that, Domino. Yeah, she gets like like chained up like in a courtyard where all these guys ride in on horses, and then there's just some guy speaking in a Middle Eastern language that I'm not familiar with, yeah. or at least I think it was a Middle Eastern language, and it just yeah, that's exactly what happens. And James Bond is like up they at the leave, top of the. They leave Bond alone, and he's got his like watch. It's like so antic. It's like no struggle. It's like okay, I guess I'll use my laser watch now. I can't believe they left this on me. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't like strip him down. Like he's a he's a known secret agent. They are Take known to have watch. all kinds of gadgets. Yeah, exactly. It's one thing if they don't know who he is, but they fucking know who he is and where he works. Yeah, so it's the yeah. worst villain ever. We have this. So we have this uh, action scene with Bond on a horse with Domino, and it winds yes. up in them jumping off a cliff on the horse. On by the, the way, on the horse. And this is uh, where we got the credit in movies that says no animals were harmed in the making of this film. Was because really? of Never Say Never Again. And if if you have a UK cut of the film, you do not see the horse connect with the water. Huh. That shot wow. is cut out. But in the US version, you see that... I mean, the it's, horse They're on a back. fucking horse. The horse yeah, is they... back falling. It's a real horse. They, yeah, they drop a fucking horse. I don't mean like they lower a horse. I mean, there are two people on a horse, and they jump into fucking water with a horse. And the, Well, they all, like, fall off, and, like, the horse does, like, a flip, and, like, Yeah, the, the horse, on like, lands back. on... Yeah, yeah! Yeah, and that's the animal... I mean, I don't... I don't know what the organization was called at the time. We're furious about it, and that's when we got that credit. So, well, you know, it, it, there's that. And like I said about the shark stuff earlier in the movie where they're closing like a, a door right in the fucking shark's head. Right. That was not. A, I do not believe that was a fake shark. Those were real fucking sharks. Yeah. So then a submarine shows up and starts firing at the, the Arab guys. And it's Felix in the submarine to save the day. So uh, we then, you know, of course, Bond and Domino shower together on the submarine. Again, because... It's been about uh, 20 minutes in the movie, and James Bond hasn't had sex with someone, so let's throw him in a shower. Yeah. So the sub the sub locates Largo's boat, which is anchored, but no one's on it. And then Bond... Oh, by the way, I just want to point out, I'm sorry to stop you, but I just realized this fact. This was how long after she was going to be auctioned off to all of these men for probably sex. And... <laughs> Now she's doing it with James Bond. Like, that doesn't happen. No ah. woman, no human being would do that. Like, you know what I could go for? Some sex right now. After my, my sexual identity could have been robbed from me by these men that don't know who I am. My hero. <laughs> I'm sorry, please. Please continue. I'm sorry. Okay. I just realized that fact. So they found they found Largo's boat. Nobody's on it, but Bond then figures out, hey, the tears of Allah. It ends up marking a spot on the map where some oil fields are. Yeah, there's like a, like a diamond, or yeah, there's a diamond on the the jewel that she's wearing, and that is that's the map as well. Yeah, Bond and Felix, just them two, go out in these these like ancient ruins and discover Largo and his men shuttling the warhead off. Then they're discovered, and a shootout happens. Largo gets the warhead armed and goes to, like, personally escort it out. Bond decides to go after Largo, and they have a little bit of an underwater scuffle. Bond gets him, Largo, pinned to a rock. Yeah, between, like, where the, like, the the missile, it's, like, on, like, a... It's on, like, a little, like, underwater boat thing, or thing with... Yeah, like, there's, like, little propellers on the back. I don't know what you would call it, but it's some kind of device with... Per, like little propellers that the bomb is on. Yeah. Right. So you just pin there and Bond uh, disarms the warhead. Largo is going to fire a harpoon at Bond, but Domino 
is there and shoots Largo with a harpoon of her own because, hey, woman that has no experience, let's come on this <laughs> mission with us underwater. Yes. Yeah, it's not like she sneaks out. Like, there are other agents or, you know, other people whose job it is to do these kinds of things, but she's the one that shoots him. That's fine that she shoots him, but it's so strange that these people that she's taking... She's doing their job is what she's doing. We end up cutting to Bond and Domino. They're some sort of like paradise getaway place thing. And they're having... She's wearing, she's wearing a tiger head swimsuit. Yes, yeah, she's wearing a t- <laughs> One of the least sexy things that you could wear. 1983! <laughs> yes. So they're having some drinks and then they hear some... St- bushes scuffling and we see someone sneaking up on them but it's nigel and he says that mi6 and m went 007 back so bad they're worried about the world and connery says uh bond says never never again and then he looks comes up and goes never never again never and then bond you know, you know, it's like, hey, Rowan Atkinson, watch me hook up with Kim Basinger. And, <laughs> yes. And then he looks at the camera and winks. Exactly. And then they say, hey, if you don't remember what our terrible theme song sounds like, here it is again. Except now you get to hear the whole thing and nothing's going on but credits. So you can't even distract yourself with the action that's happening in the movie. I mean, for, for a movie that plays it pretty straight the whole time for a Bond movie... They go with, like, some cheesy, goofy-ass ending. Yeah, well, a lot of... So many James Bond movies end on, a like, a right. some kind of sex pun. And this one doesn't, but it does end on almost a title drop. And that's better for me. I love yeah. title drops in movies. I just... Yeah, it's... I, the movie... I feel like this... It's not true to what the two hours and 17 minutes before it were telling us. It was just like, oh, okay... It was yeah, like, it was a lot of fourth wall breaking and yeah, well and like the the comeuppance for the villain is just so like well that's it bye you know it like I didn't even and Blofeld's still out there yeah exactly like like we don't see him like ah heck we lost the warhead no we haven't seen him for half an hour or more like I know I don't think have we seen him since he made the request no we, we saw him once more after he made the request for the uh, united nations or wh- whoever didn't we i think it was it was pretty incidental whatever it was uh, maybe we didn't i mean i don't remember like that's how little he's in this movie when he's in the movie it's not even that memorable and max largo dies like i had to I didn't even realize it was him at first. I just kind of put it together like, well, I guess the movie's over. I guess that was him because you can't really see his face because he's wearing like scuba gear. Yeah. Well, in in Thunderball, when this similar events happens, it it packs more punch. Like it feels like Domino killing him feels the comeuppance there is just a lot better than this surprise. I was over in the corner the whole time. I was over in the corner. Of the ocean. Here yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah, like the because in in the film Thunderball, the warhead is attached on a boat, mm-hmm. and Largo's trying to aim it. I think at like close to Florida or something, and him and Bond are fighting over it. And Domino, who 
I think the, the story with with Domino I think works a little better in the other one. I think you get a better feeling for what's going on with her there and how she's getting used in her detesting Largo. So when she goes to kill him, I don't know, it's a little less expecting, but it it just works better for me for some mm-hmm, reason. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole movie works better. And then Largo gets to <laughs> gets I mean he gets killed on that boat and I think the boat explodes, so he's on that too. So so also oh. more satisfying, yeah. And, and I mean, Largo, the character of Largo in that one, such strong, more iconic. Strong, I mean, it's the guy with the eye patch. It's that evil spy guy with the eye patch. We we know of that. That gets parodied because of that character, and he was a stronger character, more memorable, right. more imposing. Yeah. Than what it, we had here. And never say never again. Like as you watch it, you just think: Is he with Spectre, or is he just like? Like being paid by Spectre, like he's never, never impo- you never feel like this guy could take Bond. Wits, brains, brawn, nothing. Like he's never imposing. He's like really forgettable. No, yeah, he he is very much a, a character that has an inferiority complex. Right. So you ne- you never really feel like he's even close to a match for for James Bond. The guy has a fucking tantrum yeah. when he sees James Bond kiss his girlfriend. His girlfriend, who he's holding hostage, by the way. Right. And I always, like, I remember Max von Sydow in here. He's got a good look in this movie. Mm-hmm. But, but Largo, I always kind of forget about, like, oh, yeah, that's what he looks like. Oh, yeah, that's who. I mean, it's just, like, Kim Basinger is, like, a stronger, like, Domino's a stronger, more memorable, like, just character than, like, than this guy. I just, he's Largo. Largo is like a like like a spoiled Phil Collins. That's what he's <laughs> yes. like. I mean, it's like he's living off his daddy's money, and he just expect th- expects things to happen to him. And he also, you know, wrote Studio. That's what the guy looks like. Yeah, like he just it, yeah he doesn't do anything in like the other Largo. I mean, he was feeding people to sharks in his pool. Like yeah. that's something. And then him and Bond played cards in that movie, and they had you know good back and forth. This yeah. guy. Hey, they play a video game that they sit quietly playing for the most part. <laughs> yeah, and it's so, like, the amount of time, like, he never actually tries to kill, I don't think he ever actually tries to kill Bond, like, at any point. If I, I, I don't think he does. It's just, at most, he's like, all right, chain him up in that in the, t- in the, in the tower. And that's yeah. all he freaking does. Yeah. And he, you know, it's... It's dumb. Even when this guy, even when Bond comes onto his boat to, you know, obviously infiltrate it, get information or or whatever, he's not met with someone holding a gun at him like, well, you're my prisoner now. He's met with a robe and a towel. That's how he's met. Right. Exactly. And it gives him a damn, it gives him a damn tour. Like, well, these are my facilities. Well, we're going to have lunch in a little bit. Make yourself at home. What the fuck and it's not like an overconfidence either it's just i don't know he's just dull like it yeah. yeah he's a very weak point for the movie and that's your villain and it's a bond movie so you want to have a good villain yeah i agree i absolutely agree that's yeah that's i mean that's how it goes i mean this is just yeah thunderball again yeah. and yeah. yeah this james bond will not return never never say never again now we're moving on to trivia this is where we pick a couple of items from IMDb and discuss them and maybe call out whether one whether we think it's BS or or maybe not. Our first item 
A young Steven Seagal was the martial arts instructor for this film. He broke Sean Connery's wrist during training. I believe that because the martial arts in this movie are not very impressive or interesting. And I don't believe that he cares about anyone else's well-being. <laughs> there you go. I mean, did Sean Connery stand in place while people just came at him in this movie? Is that how? It's <laughs> more or less what it was. I'm, I'm sure that when uh, Seagal was like doing the choreography, he's like, hang on. And he put a ponytail on Connery's neck. He's like, okay, now I can train him. I, I'm sure if it was Seagal, he was probably going up to Kirsten. He's like, hey, you know, why don't I just play James Bond? <laughs> you know he was. <laughs> He'd either try to be that, or it's like, all right, how about if I, how about if I'm Max Largo? Come on, I'll do it. But Max Largo wins. That's the only. <laughs> That's a twist. When the project was first announced, the title was James Bond of the Secret Service, and Orson Welles was going to play a villain. I thought you, you were going to say James Bond, and I was going to laugh. <laughs> oh, I, but uh, I, I Orson see, Welles would be good. Yeah, I could. See, I you know what? It would have been like a Blofeld. I bet. Yeah, I, that that's true. I don't see him in the uh, the Max Largo. At least how this was filmed, I don't see him as Max Largo. Yeah, I, he would have been the short Blofeld cameo type mm-hmm. thing. Reportedly, Francis Ford Coppola made script contributions to the film. The movie's producer, Jack Schwartzman, was the husband of Talia Shire. The film credits state that Shire acted as a consultant to the producer. She's also Francis Ford Coppola's sister, yes, that you mentioned. Which Talia Shire did do interviews on the Blu-ray I have for this. Oh, wow. Because, I mean, Jack Schwartzman has passed on, but so she was speaking in place of him. I'm glad that they went on to better things than this. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if maybe Francis Ford Coppola touched it. I don't know. This was the it, this was the '80s where things weren't going so good for him. Yeah, yeah. So. Or maybe like if if anything that he did touch got changed anyway. I mean, who the heck knows? I mean, you never know who touches what. I mean, at one point, like we know that everyone touches James Bond though yeah. because he gets it in this movie hard. Yes. I mean, there's weird things like at one point. You know, Quentin Tarantino had his hands in Halloween Six. Like it's these things yeah. happen. These you never know who knows who and who's gonna help with something. So, mm-hmm. so Cullen in the battle, the box office battle of 1983, James Bond versus James Bond, Octopussy versus Never Say Never Again. Do you know who won? I I do not. I I would guess that Octopussy probably won. You are correct. <laughs> Because it's actual part of the canon. It's not just... But it was Connery. Connery coming back was huge. Yeah. I'm sure that helped. I'm sure it absolutely helped. I mean, that was a big deal. Like, it's like, oh my gosh. And Well, that's why it's called Never Say Never Again. Yeah. But, I mean, Connery, had his film, Never Say Never Again, had the bigger, the bigger uh, opening weekend mm-hmm. by, like, a million bucks. Or, mm, like, uh, wow! Not yeah, too much. it's pretty tight. But Roger Moore, Octopussy, ended up outgrossing domestically. Never seen ever again by twelve million dollars, and like worldwide by like twenty-seven million dollars. So either... people, people stuck. I, I, I think it goes unseen. I don't think people realize Roger Moore was a popular James Bond. Like I, I think time has made people scoff at him. But well, during the time, because everyone just everyone just remembers like the last two Roger Moore, uh, James Bond movies, and those are not very good, yeah, they, especially the last one. They, I mean, yeah, they, yeah, it's what he goes out on is what's remembered. They 
he was, I mean, back in the day, he used to be like, well, who used to have playground talks? Like, who was better, Connery or Moore? Like, oh, I'm a Connery guy. I'm a Moore. Like, it was that mm-hmm. dead even. But, I mean, time is told that, you know, Connery's the best. No questions. Maybe Craig will be better, but that's it. Like, that's end of discussion. And, I mean, and time is also, like, Pierce Brosnan was a very popular choice to play James Bond. People were excited about that. Now, his run may not have been as good as, you know, we would have hoped it would have been, but, like, I mean, people dog him now. They dog his James Bond. So it's, it's really yeah. weird. And Dalton, who I, I've always been a fan of Timothy Dalton, but he was not popular when he was Bond. He was not popular for a while, but now it's like, oh, yeah, Timothy Dalton was great. He was ahead of his time. It's really weird how time tells the James Bond story back to us. <laughs> no one will ever say that George Lazenby was the best. That's one no. constant, though. No. He's got a great movie, but he's not the best at all. And now it's time for us to rate the film. As we are Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we try to keep things culty. Each week, Cullen and myself will rate the film as stay with our family, which means, nope, don't like the film, and, yeah, you're moving on. Uh, You're converted. You you enjoy the film. You think it's cool. Um, You definitely tell people to see it. You might watch it again. And Drink of the Kool-Aid. You absolutely love this movie. It's amazing. Go, you know, Celebrate it, cosplay it, whatever. You love it. So, Cullen, uh, how do you rate Never Say Never Again? I will say I am, I'm converted. I think this is uh, not James Bond's best outing. However, when you've made 24 movies, there's going to be some ones that aren't as good as the others. I think that it's also interesting to watch uh, what was done with it. Um, I mean, obviously, Thunderball's the better movie, but... I don't know. It, it's just uh, it, interesting to see what someone else tried to do with it. And it is, um, if nothing else, it's, it's an interesting oddity to check out. It's, uh, I, think, I think it's a little longer than it needs to be. But overall, I think it's worth watching at least once. What about you? What, what, how would you rate this one? I, I wavered back and forth. But ultimately, I'm going to stay with my family mm, in an odd okay. choice. I do think, like you said, it's... It's a, a weird anomaly to check out if you're interested in stuff, and Connery is good, but they already made this movie good once, and that was Thunderball. And mm. this one, there's such a, there's like a, a dullness to it that, aside, I mean, Connery does his best to carry the movie, but there's there's a dullness to it. It's got a really weak villain. I don't think a lot of the humor lands. I think there's a lot of humor there, but I don't uh-huh. think it lands like they'd like. It's, it's missing a lot of the stuff I like from, like, a feel that I like from James Bond movies. I think they're it's they're playing it too straight, but not succeeding at playing it straight. Which because mm-hmm. I mean you can make good. I mean we have straight James Bond films now. I mean people they're they're great, but it just I don't know. It's not working. I have a hard time comparing. You know I compare things in my head to Thunderball. Yeah, I just mm, I, it, I, it, I, it, it feels like a knockoff James Bond movie starring James Bond. Right. They get they get a lot of the beats in there, but overall, it's just not as cohesive as a one of the um the other uh, Bond movies. Like the the opening sequence is pretty cool, but I just I don't feel like I'm watching a James Bond movie even during that. Yeah, no, only, I agree. The only time I feel close to it is the the motorcycle chase. And, I mean, the underwater stuff here is fine, but there was, like, some really impressive underwater work in Thunderball that they did, which I think might have got Academy Award nominated, even. It's... This film is not as bad as people are going to tell you it is. 
I just feel, I, I've seen worse James it, Bond movies. It feels a whole lot of unnecessary. Now I had, I didn't have time to brush up and watch Octopussy again, which, uh, I did a Bond retrospective. You're here at this podcast now because I started a Bond retrospective for Forbes writer Scott Mendelson's website, Mendelson's memos before he was in Forbes back in the day, and that has ultimately landed us here. So I would I would say <laughs> to start, but back when I I remember enjoying this more than Octopussy. Back um, in the Battle of the 83 Bonds, I think I chose Never Say Never Again. So I didn't have time to brush up on Octopussy to see if I still held to that. But, yeah, I don't think this is as bad as it re- its reputation is. It's just a little bit different and just it's unnecessary is a lot of it. Yeah, I think that's really the, the best review is that it's unnecessary. Yeah, yeah more, it, the most appropriate review. I do have a funny story. Like, this one was always, you know, this one didn't count. This bond, oh, it doesn't count. You know, it was all this, uh, it's not part of the canon. Everybody got mad. Back when I was a bit, bit more fanboyish, in the 90s, around when Goldeneye came out, they re-released the Bonds on VHS. They started out with, like, the first set. It was Dr. No through Live and Let Die they released. And I was collecting mm-hmm. them kind of slowly and my parents went on a trip and they came back and they got me a gift. And I was like, from the trip, and I was like, awesome. They're like, it's James Bond. And I was like, okay. And I opened up his Never Say Never Again. <laughs> and I was so mad. I was like, what? <laughs> this one. I you think, got it wrong. I was like, what? This, doesn't, this isn't even a James Bond movie. But they're like, it's got Kim Basinger in it. You like Kim? I'm like, it's not James Bond. Because I remember I watched it on TV, too. That was the first time I had seen it. I taped it on TV. And it was just this weird movie to me. But, like, I think I was still needing, like, I think, like, Diamonds Are Forever and from her, On Her Majesty's Secret Service in my VHS collection, they dropped that little black sheep on me. I was like, oh, my God. And I don't think I touched that VHS for the longest time. <laughs> and I felt like, a, looking back, I was an ungrateful brat. My parents were trying to, like, be hip with me and speak my jive. But I <laughs> said, nah. But, yeah, so that's... Yeah, that's a little history of me and never say never again. But no, I gladly have it as part. You know, I own it now. It's the Bond movie. I go back and watch it every so often when Bond comes out. It's an interesting topic of discussion. It's fascinating to look at it. But ultimately, I don't think you need to see it. I just, unless you're a hardcore Bond person or getting into Bond, I, I, I yeah, I'm gonna stay with my family ultimately. Never, never say never again. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, in celebration of the Feast of Thanksgiving, we'll be discussing 1999's Ravenous. The movie is available on Blu-ray, DVD, Netflix, Amazon Prime, iTunes, and Vudu. Joining us for conversation will be Aaron Newerth from Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Our episode has come to an end. We appreciate you for joining us. Hopefully you'll join us for Ravenous. I have never seen it, and I have no idea what I'm in for. We look forward to next time, but first, stay tuned for the trailer to next week's film, Ravenous. The trailer that actually trails. I'm sending you to California, Fort Spencer. We have four missing soldiers, Captain, and no bodies. We need a supportable explanation. Uh Captain John Boyd is about to discover... No one just ends up at Fort Spencer. We come for a reason. Yours being? Well, something he never imagined. 
We have a great sense of camaraderie here at Fort Spencer. <laughs> this Indian scout told me a curious story. Winged eagle. It's an old Indian myth from the north. Man eats the flesh of another. <laughs> he absorbs the other man's strength. Now, one man must choose between others. Between having dinner and being dinner. Good, good. <laughs> Major Knox. Guy Pierce. Ives! I'm gonna kill him. Robert Carlyle. He was tough, but then a uh, good soldier ought to be. Jeffrey Jones. Me, uh, I bring you into the fold. What's wrong? David Arquette. <laughs> There's no guilt. I gotta eat. Ah! It's tough making friends. Eat to live. Don't live. Really sneaky. Oh, he was licking me! <laughs> Ravenous. Bon appetit. <laughs> never, never say never again. Never, never say never again. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Cullen's work on the A Touch of Crafts podcast, also found on the Dead Radio Entertainment Network, and on Twitter at my name is Cullen. You can find my work at Naptown Nerd, and I also post reviews on WhySoBlue.com. My Twitter handle is at BT Peters. Our producer is Brad Shoemaker. Podcast edited by Brandon. The movie and music in today's discussion is property of its respective studio and no infringement is intended. Please join us again in two weeks for our next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. But from